Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. When you look at the word gospel, the first two letters are G-O, go. And really, that's what the gospel is all about, going out into the community, teaching others about Christ. And the expectation is to lead them to the Lord. Because we understand that without the gospel of Christ, men and women are lost and dying in sin. And so our goal, our desire is to make known New Testament Christianity, not just in this community, but around the globe. And we want to be thinking from an evangelistic standpoint. We want to do everything that we can to make known the gospel of Christ. And so with that in mind, I want to call your attention to verses 15 and 16. And we're going to talk for a moment or two about what Jesus said here on this occasion. Bear in mind that Jesus is about to ascend to heaven where he will ultimately be seated at the right hand of Almighty God. The angels will tell the apostles that the Christ who has ascended to heaven will one day return again. Our hope, our plea is that people would hear the gospel, believe it, obey it, and thus be ready for his second coming. The first thing that I call your attention to in our study together is the mandate or the commission. When we look at the commission, listen to what Jesus said to the apostles on this occasion. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so here we have the expectation in evangelism. What is the Lord's expectation? That we would take the gospel and that we would be willing to go. That we would do whatever we can to share the gospel with others. Now I would encourage you to remember that Jesus here is speaking with all authority. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. When Jesus was transformed before Peter, James, and John, as recorded by Matthew in Matthew chapter 17, the Bible tells us that a voice rang forth from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear him. So whatever Jesus says, we ought to be willing to listen and take heed. Now Jesus is saying here that as his followers, as his people, we need to be willing to go. And so the expectation, the Lord expects us to evangelize. But let me just very quickly provide you with some examples of those who were involved in evangelism. One of the things that I like about Jesus is that he practiced what he preached. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, his goal, his intent was to share the gospel, that is to share news about himself with others. In Luke chapter 19, we read of Jesus going into the home of Zacchaeus in the city of Jericho. Jesus said on that occasion in Luke 19 verse 10 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was concerned about the lost. 
You can read about Jesus in the home of Matthew, a tax collector, a publican. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13, on that occasion, Jesus said that those who are sick, they have need of a physician. He was the great physician. His interest was in the lost. He was concerned about the lost. He was concerned about reaching out to those who needed a Savior. In John chapter 4, we, we think about the woman that he met at Jacob's well in Sychar. And the Bible tells us that he revealed his identity to her. She made the statement, we know that when the Messiah comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus then said, I who speak to you am he. Jesus revealed himself to this woman. And in so doing, he made a tremendous difference in her life. She went back to her own people, to the Samaritans, and said, come see a man that's told me everything I've ever done. Well, Jesus was interested in the lost. Let me also give you another example. We think about Jesus, but in the book of Acts, we read of the early disciples, the early church. One of the things that ought to impress all of us when we read the book of Acts is the phenomenal growth of the church of Christ. Over and over again, we read about souls being converted to the cause of Christ. Why was that? Let me tell you why I believe it was the case. Because you had people that belonged to the body of Christ who took very seriously the Great Commission. When Jesus said, go, these people went. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible tells us that a great persecution swept the early church. And Luke said that they were all scattered abroad with the exception of the apostles. And so in Acts chapter 8 at verse 4, the Bible says, those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Who is he talking about? He's talking about New Testament Christians. Individuals that took to heart what the Lord said. When the Lord said go, they took it to heart and thus they went. Another example, Philip. In Acts chapter 8, we read about these early disciples that went everywhere preaching the word. But the Bible says that Philip went down into the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Why do you think Philip preached Christ to the Samaritans? Let me tell you why. Because he understood that they needed the gospel of Christ. And so the Bible tells us in verse 12 of Acts chapter 8 that when they believed the things that Philip preached concerning the kingdom of God and the name of the Lord Jesus, they were baptized both men and women. In Acts chapter 8, not only do we read about him preaching and teaching to the Samaritans, but we find him conversing with a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch. This man had been to Jerusalem to worship God. He was a proselyte to the Jewish religion. He was returning back home. And the Bible tells us that Philip encountered this eunuch. And the eunuch on that occasion was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I except some man guide me? He was reading from Isaiah chapter 53 about the suffering servant, that is the Messiah, the Christ. And the Bible says that beginning at that same scripture, Philip preached unto him Jesus. Well, why did he do that? Because he was concerned about the salvation of this man. And then Paul. I don't guess any... any lesson would be complete when you talk about examples 
of personal evangelist, not just personal, but also public evangelist, if you did not talk about the life of Paul. Paul was a preaching and teaching machine. When I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, I see somebody who was willing to do whatever he could to share the gospel of Christ with others. In Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 16, we read about Paul and Silas in Philippi. And the Bible tells us that on that occasion, they had been imprisoned. A great earthquake occurred. The prison doors were opened. Their chains were loosened. The jailer was about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas said, do yourself no harm. We're all here. This man asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Paul and Silas on that occasion had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. In chapter 17, we read about Paul and Silas. We read about the apostle Paul and his co-laborer in the city of Thessalonica. And there, preaching the gospel, the charge was made that these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. They knew about the evangelistic efforts of the early church. Paul said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for his sake. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. In chapter 18, we read about Paul in Athens. And the Bible says that Athens was a city given to idolatry. And Paul, the Bible says his spirit was stirred within him because of the pagan idolatry of the people of that day and time. And so he had the opportunity to tell them about the one true living God. In chapter 18, we think about Paul going to the city of Corinth where he spent some 18 months among these people teaching the word of God. And the Bible says that many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Why do you think Paul spent his life preaching and teaching? Because he understood people needed the gospel. In the book of Philippians, we read about Paul where he was literally chained 24 hours a day to a Roman guard. What do you think Paul talked about during those 24-hour shifts? Let me tell you what I think he talked about. He talked about Christ. I can just imagine as those shifts rotated on a regular basis, those guards saying, well, guess what? We're going to hear about Christ again for another four hours or another six hours. These people were committed to New Testament Christianity. They believed in evangelism. Now, what about evading evangelism? Why is it that sometimes we as members of the, of the church excuse ourselves from evangelism? Well, let me share with you at least three reasons why I believe that we excuse ourselves from evangelism. Number one, perception. And let me just say right up front, I think we have the wrong perception in many quarters. And that perception is, it's not my responsibility. It is the preacher's job. It is the elder's task. That is the work of a deacon. Let me tell you what, each and every one of us as members of the body of Christ, we are to be soul winners for the Lord. We may have the idea, it is not my responsibility. It may be the case that we have the idea because we are not a paid staff member, quote unquote, it's not our responsibility. Let me tell you what, that's not the case. 
Go back and read Acts chapter 8 again. When those early, early disciples were scattered abroad, the Bible says they went everywhere preaching the word. Here were New Testament Christians that took seriously the charge to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If we're leaving it in the hands of the preacher or the elders or the deacons, the work is not going to get done. Why? Because we live in a world that's populated with some 6 billion people. We lack manpower at best. If we think the preacher's going to do it or the elders are going to do it or the deacons are going to do it, we are sadly mistaken. It's going to take each and every one of us joining hands, doing what we can to advance the cause of Christ. And so when we talk about excusing ourselves from evangelism, it begins with the wrong perception. We have the idea, it's not my responsibility. The fact of the matter is, it is our responsibility. It's my responsibility. It is your responsibility. It is all of our responsibility. Each and every one of us, whether young or old, black or white, rich or poor, educated, uneducated, it does not matter. You and I have that responsibility. Number two, preoccupation. And the idea here is, that we are too busy to be about our Father's business. There are 24 hours in a day, 7 days in a week, 12 months in a year. I know that all of us are busy. And I know that all of us have constraints on a daily basis. We have, we have to go to work. We have school. We have family priorities. There are a lot of things that beg for our time. But in Luke chapter 2, Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. Let me tell you why we are not evangelizing like we ought to. One of the primary reasons is we have the mindset that, as I said a moment ago, it's somebody else's responsibility. But another reason is because we are not fully committed to our Father's business. Now you can cut it any way you want to cut it. You can slice it any way you want to slice it. But that is the fact of the matter. We are not about our Father's business. What is our Father's business? Here's what Jesus said. My work is to do the will of Him who sent me. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10 If we are going to be Christ-like in our disposition, in our demeanor, in our attitude, in our actions, then we're going to have to be soul winners. We're going to have to be interested in the lost. But we have become so preoccupied with our own self-interest that we just don't have time to do the work itself. The Bible talks about those who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Is it the case that we tell ourselves we're putting Jesus first in our lives when in reality He is second, third, fourth, or fifth place in our lives he's way down the food chain that's the fact of the matter go back and read about the early church they went everywhere preaching the word why do you think they went everywhere preaching the word because their preoccupation was Christ their focus was Christ their interest was the lost what about us let me give you another reason why we're not Evangelistic, why we excuse ourselves from evangelism. It's called procrastination. 
The idea here is that I'll get around to it later. In other words, what we're saying is, I'm going to evangelize. I'm going to try to reach somebody, but not today. Let me just ask this question. Have you ever known anyone, maybe a coworker, a friend, or a family member, that has died outside of Christ? Now let me ask this question. Let's just say they died outside of Christ. What did you or I do to try to teach them the gospel before they stepped out into eternity? You see, the point is, when we talk about the gospel of Christ, today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. There is no tomorrow. James said that our lives are like a vapor that appear for a little while and then vanish away. The psalmist said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. If we wait till tomorrow, tomorrow may be too late. And that's not just some cliche out of a book. That is the truth of the matter. Number two, let's think for just a moment about the masses. That is the community. Listen again to what Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The scope of evangelism, the scope is worldwide, it is global. Now for us, the world might be our own backyard, it might be our own family. It might be that circle of friends within whom we interact on a regular basis, but the point is, you and I have the charge to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If there are some six billion people populating this planet, and there are, that tells me we have a major task. How are we going to do that? How are we going to share the gospel with all of these people? Well, it's up to us to figure that out and to get the job done. Jesus said to do it. Jesus said, go. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. When you talk about the seven continents on our globe, you and I have the responsibility of making sure that this gospel permeates the world. Paul said that during his day, the gospel was preached to every creature under heaven. Every person in the then known world had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Let me just tell you right now, there is no way, if the Lord were to come today, there is no way that every person under heaven has heard the gospel. It's just not, hap it's not happening. It hasn't happened. Well, the scope of the God, Jesus is interested in the lost. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came to save. The world was already under condemnation. He came to liberate the world. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul said, or rather Peter said, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The scope of evangelism, it is worldwide. The gospel is for all. That's, that's the bottom line. It's for everybody. Black, white, rich, 
poor, educated, uneducated, it does not matter. The gospel is for all. In Luke chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Isaiah talked about all nations flowing in to the church, the kingdom of God, in Isaiah 2, verses 2 and 3. Jesus said we're to make disciples of all nations. Thirdly, before we close, the message. Look at what Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who believes not or does not believe will be condemned. What is the criterion? Well, we are to preach the gospel. That's, that's the basis, that is the standard that we share with the world. Let me suggest that it is a unique message. We talk about the uniqueness of the gospel, the uniqueness of the message. And there are really three things that we need to understand about the uniqueness of the gospel of Christ. Number one, it is a distinct message. We've been sold a bill of goods in this culture, in this world, in our society that is false to the core. And the idea is you can be saved any way you want to be saved. You can be saved by whomever you want to be saved by. I heard, as probably some of you did, the press conference by Tiger Woods in which he said that he was raised a Buddhist. And he said that he has strayed from his Buddhist teaching. Let me just tell you this, and I, and I mean this in love, but it has to be said. Buddha is not going to save anybody. Muhammad is not going to save anybody. The only thing that's going to save a lost and dying world from sin is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name unto heaven given by men whereby we must be saved. If we're going to be saved, it's going to be by the clarion call of the gospel of Christ. Look at those early disciples. What did they preach? The gospel. The uniqueness of the gospel, the distinctiveness of the gospel. The power is in the word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So, it is a distinct message, but also, it is a disturbing message. Why is that? The gospel is intended to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. If you have an honest and good heart, when you hear the gospel of Christ, you're going to be motivated to do something. Think about those people on Pentecost Day. When Peter preached the first gospel sermon, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. They were pricked in their hearts. Why? Because they heard the gospel of Christ. Either you're going to respond to the gospel or you're going to reject the gospel. It is a distinct message. It is a disturbing message. It's disturbing because you can't stay in sin and allow the gospel to be preached over a period of time without doing something. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, or actually Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll cut, it'll cut your heart out. It ought to cut your heart out. And then thirdly, it is a dignifying message. What do I mean when I say the gospel is a dignifying message? 
I simply mean it will elevate the lifestyle of humanity. Look around in our society. Look at the moral corruption of our society. Look at the ungodly deeds that are being carried out in our society. We talk about the corruption of Washington, the moral pollution of Hollywood, the degradation of the home. We talk about all of these problems in humanity. Is the, is the answer to the problems in this country, is the answer more prisons, better social programs? Is it government? Let me tell you what the answer is. The answer is the gospel of Christ. We talk about raising the plane of our culture, raising and changing our society for the better, changing America for the better. It's not going to happen out of Washington. It's not going to happen out of Hollywood. It'll happen by the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then he said, and such were some of you. You want to change the moral plane of our society? Preach the gospel. You want to change the filth of our country? Preach the gospel. That's what we need to do. We want to change the way people live. We want to change the thoughts and the intents of people's hearts. Preach the gospel. That's what the Bible says. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The problem is, we, talk, we have these pity parties and we talk about why our country's going down the tubes. We have the answer. The question is, what are we doing about it? What are we going to do about it? You and I have, we have the ability to change the face of this nation. And one day God's going to call us home. And we're going to stand before Him in the judgment. And the question that will burn in our ears, what did you do to share my word with others? You want to change America? Change it by preaching the gospel of Christ. You want to change the scope of the family in our society? Preach the gospel. That's the, that's the call. Very quickly, we talk about the uniqueness of the message but then the urgency of the message why is it that we are called upon to share the gospel of Christ I can sum it up in two words salvation and condemnation salvation means the hope of heaven condemnation means the horrors of hell here's what Jesus said he who believes and is baptized will be saved you want to see people in heaven preach the gospel you want to see people go to heaven with you? Preach the gospel. The hope of heaven. But then Jesus said, He who does not believe will be condemned. The hope of heaven and the horrors of hell. You and I, we're called upon to share the gospel of Christ. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. I have enough faith in the Word of God to believe that God's Word will not return to Him void. That's what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 55. My responsibility is to share the gospel. I have no control over what people do, but I know this. If I do not share the gospel, people are going to be lost. 
And they are going to be thrust into the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so what we have to do is put the gold back in the gospel. I said just a moment ago that next Sunday we're trying to invite people to come to worship services. This is not a one and done deal. If you think we're just trying to have a big day next week and fill the building up and then go on about our happy and merry ways, you're sadly mistaken. That's not the intent of this thing. At least, that's not my intent. My intent is that we start thinking evangelistically. And not just next Sunday, but every Sunday. And not just Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That we're constantly thinking about the lost. And I will freely admit... I can do a better job. I have to do a better job. And what I want to encourage you to do is to be an evangelist. Take the gospel to the world. Maybe you're here today and you're not a New Testament Christian. Well, today is the day of salvation. That's what Paul said. Here's what you need to do. You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. The Bible says you need to repent of every sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess His name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized or immersed in water for the remission of your sins. When you do that, God will add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. And then you're called upon to live faithfully until death, Revelation 2, 10. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fasten to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.